This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, What's good, let's fans? get paid. Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Form the ED, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. I have a special episode today, and you guys are going to love this. This is for all my ED pharmacists. This is for all of them that's been getting alphabet soup behind their name. Today, we're going to talk about the story of the BCEMP. And I have with me the person, the godfather, the person who's done all of the work, uh, who's really been leading the campaign for years. I have Chris Edwards with us. So thank you for coming on onto the show. Uh, tell us the audience again. Everyone just sees the name. They see the bravada. They see all the all, all the acronyms and all the letters behind your name. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Again, hometown training and where you're currently practicing. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate the uh, really kind words. I can't take credit for too much of this. I've been involved since the beginning, but I've had a lot of great people I've worked with over the years that have helped this uh, come to fruition. Uh, but you know, my name's Chris Edwards. I uh, I'm from Chicago. I uh, trained at UIC. I got my PharmD there. Um, after I got my PharmD, I came to the University of Arizona and did my PGY-1. Uh, during my PGY-1, I, uh, I fell in love with emergency medicine. I had the amazing opportunity to work with Dan Hayes as a PGY-1 resident. And within probably two hours of being in the ED, I was like, I'm home. Uh, and Dan had just come out to the University of Arizona at that time. Uh, he was interested in potentially starting a PGY-2 program. I nudged him and asked him and bullied him into starting a PGY-2. Uh, was ended up being the first PGY-2 in emergency medicine at the University of Arizona. Um, and after I finished my residency training, I got hired on at what was then University Medical Center, what is now uh, Banner University Medical Center in Tucson. Uh, great practice site. It's uh, the only level one trauma center in Southern Arizona. We've got a really good working relationship with the Arizona Poison Control Center. Um, just an amazing place to practice. I've held a bunch of different roles within that organization. Uh, currently, I am an assistant professor with the University of Arizona. Still practice half-time uh, in the emergency department at Banner University Medical Center Tucson. And uh, love, love what I'm doing out here. That's amazing. I think it's one of those things where I think a lot of us get into practice and we're getting to the point where we're like, okay, what's next? What can we do? Um, and knowing that there is a way that we can have some of the academia side of things and still practice a little bit. That's a very attractive model. And, you know, anyone who knows me, they, they know I love it, you know, and I think a lot of my a lot of my um, residents and students that rotate with me, it's like, dude, you should just do this full time. And it's like, I just love sitting in the ED and Everyone says, like, if you know, you know, and the ED is one of those places where you definitely know if it's if it's for you. And it's just a, a different culture, I would say. So that's something that really, really gets me going. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy you'll be able to kind of talk about and Hayes and all the people who really kind of got you into this. And you guys are the ones that people like myself are looking up to as far as building up the, the, the culture and, uh, and everything that we have to be legitimate as emergency medicine pharmacists. So. Let's go ahead and transition. Everyone has been talking about this. It's one of the most highly talked about things on Twitter. Uh, from a LinkedIn perspective, we're finally getting a lot of the, the ad space and a lot of things from the ASHP standpoint. Everyone's talking about the BCEMP. And for all of us who's been like on Twitter, we just say, okay, 
has has Chris said anything about it yet? <laughs> like, when is it going to happen? Like, what, what, what's going on? Uh, but before we dive into, you know, a lot of the, the technical stuff, tell us about, like, how you got involved with BPS and, and leading this fight, I like to say, for BCEMP, because I, I, I can guarantee you it's definitely been a, been a fight. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I first got interested in pushing for this when I was uh, working with the section advisory group for ASHP. So I was uh, coming into my year as chair uh, of the section advisory group for ASHP, and I was trying to figure out, okay, what are the major things that I want to work on? What are the big initiatives that I want to really see come to fruition? And uh, the big one was we got we to gotta talk to BPS. ASHP has to talk to BPS and really push for board certification for emergency medicine pharmacists, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm like hyping myself up. I'm getting ready to go in and like, talk to the ASHP representation and say, this is what we need. Like the section advisory group as a whole, we're saying, this is, this is it. So I was like, I figured it was going to be a whole year charge of like putting things together and pushing. And I came with that idea in our ASHP liaison was like, yep, that's a great idea. <laughs> we're already working on it in the background. And so I was like, awesome. All right. Well, I guess we've got to find some other things to do. So we found some other things to do, kept us busy. Um, but I think a lot of this work was already kind of the groundwork was laid when I started pushing on it. And, and, uh, I think that because I started pushing, uh, I, I rose to prominence or I, I caught the attention of ASHP and I caught the attention of BPS and, and I've had the opportunity to work on, uh, several different steps, uh, throughout the process here. The, the first step uh, that really led to the creation of, of BCEMP was this rule delineation survey that took place. And uh, I want to say it was about 2017. Mm-hmm. And with that rule delineation survey, they got a bunch of emergency medicine pharmacists from around the country together. And we all sat in a room, ate a lot of good food and came up with what we're going to be the, uh, basically the, the outline, the content outline of what that exam might look like, right? And what we were really trying to do is show that emergency medicine was different than BCPS. It was different than BCCCP, that we kind of had our own domains. We had our own knowledge uh, that we had as a, a specialty uh, that was unique to emergency medicine. So that role delineation study, uh, you know, was really sort of that first step. And then what BPS did with that rule delineation survey. They sent it out to a bunch of other people to try to get some additional feedback from the EM community on it. Um, And then they took the results of that survey to the board. And then the board made the decision as to whether or not they wanted to request a petition for the creation of this new specialty. Uh, Fortunately, they were on board with it. They took a look at the results of that rule delineation survey. They decided it was interesting. It's unique. There's enough uh, behind it that it was something that they wanted to pursue. And so they put put out this request for petition, and basically they asked ACCP and ASHP to gather a writing group to get this petition together. They hired a consultant to kind of lead that group. And uh, I was fortunate to be uh, chosen to represent ASHP on the um, petitioning group. And uh, that was awesome. That was a really small group, uh, really great people. I was really lucky to be a part of it. It was me, uh, Nicola Quisto, uh, Megan Musselman, and Caitlin Dervey. And uh, the, uh, I think it was Nicole and Megan were representing ACCP, and then uh, Caitlin and I were representing ASHP. Okay. And we worked with, uh, worked with their people to put together this, you know, 475-page document that oh, covered wow. everything related to emergency medicine, right? So 
sort of the background and history of how emergency medicine has gotten to where it is, a lot of the evidence and, and literature showing the value of emergency medicine pharmacy services, uh, did some forecasting and projecting about the anticipated growth and interest in uh, a specialty like this. Like they don't want, well, basically if it's continuing to grow, if there's a lot of growth in the area, it's a little bit more attractive and BPS knows what they're getting into in terms of creating this and, and that they're going to get some uh, interest in, in doing it. I want to be careful with how I say that though, because BPS does support really small specialties as well. Like their interest is really on like making sure that we have competent pharmacists practicing in areas where we need like a high degree of specialization. So okay. example is nuclear pharmacy. Uh, there aren't many people that hold that cert, but they still support it because um, they're not doing it to make money. They're doing it because they want to make sure that they have nuclear pharmacists out there that are like well-trained. So it's not all about the money. But we did do that projecting um, again, just to show like, Hey, this is going to be a good, good thing for BPS. Um, and then the real uh, bulk of that was letters of support. So we reached out to all these different organizations uh, in order to see if they would support the creation of the specialty. So, you know, we reached out to places that you might expect. So, you know, some of the physician organizations, the big pharmacy organizations, and some places that would be a little bit less uh, less expected. So we reached out to like the Pediatric Pharmacy Association um, because part of this test is going to be peds. We want people that know how to treat kids because they can roll into any emergency department. So we were able to get a letter of support from the Pediatric Pharmacy Association. We were able to get a letter of support from, you know, just all kinds of different people uh, who are really excited to see the specialty come to fruition. We ended up submitting that document um, around the end of 2019. Um, and then the board uh, basically evaluated it and then voted on whether or not to create the specialty. And they did. So uh, the first round of, you know, they didn't even ask for any revisions. They didn't ask for any clarifications. After looking at the petition we put together, it got approved. And then within a couple of months, they started uh, putting out a call for people to serve on the specialty council. And uh, I was like, oh, gone this far, man. Like I gotta, I gotta stick with this. So I put my name in the hat to serve on the council. And uh, luckily I got, I got selected to serve on that. Um, and then when they put out a call internally within the council uh, for people to run for a chair and vice chair, I uh, put my name in the hat for a leadership position there as well. And uh, ultimately ended up getting selected as the, the chair of that council. And uh, they voted me in again the second time around. So I guess I did a good job the first time. So uh, yeah, it's been, uh, that's kind of how I got involved and sort of the history of, of how we got to the point where the council was formed. Um, that's perfect. It's, it's, a, it's a good amount of information. And I want people to just realize that this is so in-depth. It, it, it took so many steps because like you've been voted twice now as a chair. And it seems like before <laughs> that, it was a significant amount of work even before getting to the chair. So I think it's just it's been a, it's been a road. And I'm thinking I remember because I would like so for some reason I would Google something and my name will come as like one of the comments. And it was like back in like 2017, 2018. It's like this is wild to me to think that like all the way back then we started off this. And it's really been carried forward to 2022, going to 2023, which, you know, we're hoping to have the, we have the first time for the register for this on January 4th. And most of us are going to be listening to this on January 4th. So uh, it's just really cool kind of to take this from it being an idea that 
thank God someone was working on a little bit beforehand because probably without that, it would have been even more of an uphill battle. And then we finally get to the point to where we get some upstream and then it's like a few things kind of, you know, take off for you. And it's like, okay, okay, they approve of this. Okay, no revisions. It's like, oh, wow, this is really happening. This is happening. So that's that's great, man. And I think we've, we we kind of hit the, the first steps. And what I want to go into is like, what was some aspects of getting you know, BCMP, because you've been with the entire process. What were some aspects of getting there approved that you were not expecting? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise is how supportive ASHP was, ACCP was, and even BPS. I think that they were all really excited to see this come into fruition, and they were they were stoked to see how much engagement there was from emergency medicine pharmacists to get this off the ground. Um, and, and honestly, like, I went into it thinking it was going to be a fight. I really like, I went into that first section advisory group meeting, like, all right, I'm going to have to bully ASHP into this stuff. I'm going to have to like annoy people. I'm going to have to be relentless. And they were just like, oh yeah, we're, we're already thinking about that. We're already on board with that. I think a lot of that is actually, uh, a lot of that I think came from Vicky Basaliga uh, from ASHP. She's awesome. Um, I think she's their director of membership services or something like that. Um, amazing, amazing person. And she just, she gets it. She's supportive. And, uh, and that was already kind of working in the background of ASHP and the same with BPS. The first time I met, um, with some of the leadership within BPS, they were like welcoming and excited and they were fired up and like really, really supportive of, of emergency medicine. And, uh, again, I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought it was going to be a scrap. I was, I was ready to go in there and just, you know, like make all these well, rationalized arguments and I brought all the, I had all the evidence ready to go and I didn't need any of it. They were just like, Oh yeah, like we want this. We want to make this happen. We want to see this come to fruition. And I was like, pleasantly surprised. So I, maybe that wasn't what you were expecting with the, with the unexpected stuff, but man, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised. with how. Yeah. That's something that was pretty intriguing. Cause you know, a lot of us think like, Oh man, no one understands ED pharmacists. No one understands us. And to, to hear that it was like, okay, well, we, we kind of do, and there, it looks like this is something to be beneficial for all of us. We want to support you guys do this, and that's something that's pretty intriguing because I think half of the time it's like, I'm always fighting. I'm always fighting to do something different, and it's like, whoa, no, let's keep you in this little box, you know, and ED is such a unique place that it's not a box. It's just not a box. It's not the, it's not the same as everything else, and that's something that I'm, I'm always in, intrigued with, but uh, that's the cool part. So now, again, you said that it was pretty support of from beginning to end, because I'm pretty sure someone's going to go back and listen to this maybe a couple of years from now, and they're going to want to start their own, you know, um, specialty and get BPS on board. So from the beginning to the end, how long did it take to get this whole thing approved that you, that you were part of? So from the, the role delineation study to like the actual vote from the board on our, on our petition, that was about three years. And then after that, you know, the, the creation of the council, starting the work of actually putting the exam together, uh, that took about another two years. Um, but I did, I did talk to uh, Bill Ellis uh, from BPS at uh, Midyear, and he said that uh, we set the record for the quickest turnaround <laughs> from creation of the council to creation of the, the first exam. So, you know, in true EM fashion, uh, <laughs> you know, we're knocking things out quickly with quality. So. That's that's pretty cool, man. And I think it's like it, it, we you couldn't do it any other way by being an ED pharmacist because you get a group of ED pharmacists together, stuff is going to get done. 
Uh, if you it. give us the tools, uh, stuff would just happen to get done. And I think it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Like anytime something happens in, in my family or something like that, or there's some, some type of uh, emergency, you know, quote unquote emergency, uh, they, they call and it's like, okay, so ask this question, ask that question. It's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. There's <laughs> like, anytime something's wrong, we just call because the way you think about problems is very different than, than the usual. And it's even like my, my co-resident, I remember being in a, at Grady and my the PGY two in critical care, I thought about a problem a certain way, and I was like, "Oh, just do this." And like, "Oh no, you have to worry about this and worry about that." Like versus the ED form was like, "No, this is this is what we need to get done. This is the goal. This is how I'm gonna do it. We'll just see what happens." <laughs> so exactly, exactly. And most of the time, you can sit there and spin your wheels and really think through something, and you end up at the same answer anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, just kind of like decide and go, which yeah. has been interesting. So I haven't done. I'm in an academic role now, right? So I spend half my time at, at the College of Pharmacy, and I work with a lot of folks over here that are all brilliant and wonderful. And, uh, but the approach to problem solving between, like, you know, most of the clinical pharmacists and, like, the people who work in, like, labs, right? So, like, the pharmacology yeah. folks and, like, the real basic science guys, their approach to things is totally different. It's, like, oh, yeah. so methodical, so drawn out, very slow, <laughs> very purposeful, whereas, like, even – like, again, most of the clinicians, but me kind of like on a, to an extreme with it. It's just like, yeah, just make the decision and go like, yeah. we're, we're good here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. And we just go from there. And that's been something that's been pretty cool for me. Uh, Cause I've been, you know, recently started as faculty at the medical university of South Carolina and the students are like, you teach so different. I was like, well, I have, I have a different experience. I have a different mindset. And this ED just helped me think that way. Uh, but it's, it's pretty cool. But speaking of like all these other other people that's been like part of the team and you mentioned a few of them, but I really want to take this time here to shout out all the people that's been really helping as part of the committee or even if they're not part of the committee, because sometimes there's people behind the scenes. So I wanted to shout out some of the people of your team that was with you throughout all of this and maybe the role that they've played, because I know there are some people who they can't be the face of something. But they can do other aspects, and I really want to highlight those different people that's part of your team. Yeah, no, it's a great question, and uh, you know, there were so many people involved with this project that I'm sure I'm going to miss uh, some folks that played a, a huge role. But the the people that I've worked with, you know, the closest on this have been, you know, again, the people that we wrote that petition with. Uh, so Nicola Kisto, Megan Musselman, Caitlin Derbey. That was probably the heaviest lift in this whole process was putting together that 475-page document, and uh, and they really worked hard to make that happen. And and you know their dedication and and just you know again their willingness to sacrifice hours and hours and hours of free labor towards this goal uh, was awesome. And they, I couldn't have asked for a better crew to work with on that one. Um, there are a handful of people who you know have been with it since the beginning. So like. Katie Hiles, Patrick Bridgman, uh, Jennifer Mando Vandrick, uh, they were on that original rural delineation survey, and then they put in to serve on the council. They've been awesome to work with on the council, uh, just, you know, really, really solid clinicians and, and contribute a lot to the discussions. Uh, but honestly, everybody else on the everybody on the council has been awesome, too, uh, you know, just highlighting them, those folks because they've been with it since the very beginning. Uh, but, you know, Ryan Wainwright has been amazing to work with. Uh, I met him, you know, for the first time working on this council and just awesome. We even have a couple of non-specialists uh, working with us as well. Um, you know, Brian Patowski's on there, uh, Stacey Volas, uh, and their experience with sort of the exam development process and writing good test questions and, and all of that has been super, super helpful. 
my vice chair, Michael Thomas, has been awesome too. Just a, a great guy to work with. Uh, him and I complement each other really well. He's he's a little bit more slow and, and methodical in his approach <laughs> to things. I'm a little bit more fast. And I, I think that we we work together really, really well because he slows me down when I need to slow down. Yeah. I think I speed him up when we need to speed up. And it, it's a really good uh, mix, really good combo. And then um, the BPS staff have been amazing as well. So uh, our exam developer, uh, Jennifer Witebski, um Bill Ellis, uh, you know, sort of the, the head honcho over there, amazing guy to work with, super supportive. And, you know, I think uh, Bill's great, smart, wonderful. And then uh, Jackie Kelly Marshall, who sort of like runs all the operations over there. I think she's his admin assistant, but that place would not run without her. So she's <laughs> been just amazing to work with as well. Uh, just a great crew uh, at BPS. Um, so again, everybody on the council has been just awesome. We really, you know, got lucky with this, uh, with this first group being, you know, dedicated, smart, and passionate about what we're doing, bringing diverse experiences to the table and just really, uh, you know, helping us to achieve this goal in record time. So That's amazing. And I always tell people, you know, it's, it's, I always look for the, the, the administrative assistant because they're all, they, like, no one can get anything done. Uh, everyone always like, oh, you know, you know, Jimmy, you do a lot of stuff. It's like, I have an assistant. <laughs> like, every, everything <laughs> that gets done, it's like, please don't think that I'm brilliant. And so it's always nice to kind of mention those people because without them and, and without the team, again, a lot of this stuff doesn't matter. I remember speaking to people about Empower and how, like, again, I remember crying at the end of Empower because it was like something that was just in my head. But the only way for me to make that happen was because of my, my, my committee and just people buying into that. So I always want to make sure we, we provide opportunities, you know, um, and I've been able to been fortunate to work with or do a podcast with many of those people that's on there. I've, I've done something with Patrick. I've done something with Michael Musselman. I've done something with Nicole. Uh, again, they're just leaders in the field. And I, I can definitely say just from my brief experience, it would have been a pleasure uh, to work with them. I remember um, Caitlin Dervey, because I went, come from Orlando. So of course, when she was in Tampa, I, I interviewed there every opportunity that I could, cause I just wanted to hang out, you know, with, with greatness. So it was a, you have a heavyweight, you know, champion squad there to, to get this thing made. So that was, that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just the enthusiasm from all of these folks wanting to see this, you know, come to fruition, the, the brain power they brought to the table, the hours that they put into doing all this stuff, it, invaluable towards, towards moving towards this goal. So, you know, I'm, I'm here speaking on behalf of all these people, really, because it's uh, it's been a real group effort. Perfect. Now, I'm going to switch it up here because, again, with anything that's great, you're always going to have some naysayers or you're going to have some people who, again, who don't necessarily always appreciate the work that it takes to get here. But they have questions. They have concerns. And, you know, the podcast is here to ask those tough questions. The biggest thing that I've been hearing, the word in the street, right, a lot of us went out there and got BCPS, went out there and got BCCCP. And now they're asking us stuff like, what's going to be different about this? Um, I have my own opinions. I'll share after you. Um, but I want people to know what is the, what is the major difference between the BCEMP and the BCCP and you just work in the emergency department. So can you just can help the audience hear about that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I think is really great about BCEMP is it's by emergency medicine pharmacists and it's, it's there to assess your competency as an emergency medicine pharmacist, right? BCCCP is great, but it doesn't cover kids. It doesn't cover low acuity situations. It doesn't cover as much of the bedside stuff. Uh, 
that we see all the time as emergency medicine pharmacists. And I think even if you don't work at a center that deals with pediatric patients, even more reason why you should have that expertise because you never know when a kid's going to come through the door. And if you don't have physicians and nurses that are comfortable working with that population, you are going to be called on to help assist with drug dosing. You're going to be called on to help assist with, you know, some of that workup and differential diagnosis. And like knowing that piece of it is so important. So similar to peds, you also don't see a lot of pregnant women in critical care environment, right? We see that kind of stuff in the emergency department all the time. And again, BCCCP might test you on what do you do if you have a very, very sick pregnant patient, but an emergency medicine pharmacist needs to know how to treat less acute illness in patients with pregnancy, less acute illness in pediatric patients, less acute illness in geriatric patients, right? So we have all of these varying degrees of acuity in this entire spectrum of population. And, and I think that's really what makes emergency medicine unique. And I think we really tried to create an exam that tests not only your ability to care for critically ill patients, uh, but also less critically ill patients and those special populations that, uh, that we're going to see as emergency medicine pharmacists. Absolutely. And, and I think the, the exam itself is going to be one thing. Um, I took a different approach to thinking about this. We have been fighting, again, for something like this for a while. And I think that once we, once we make something like this, we should go and support it to the maximum degree. Um, I, I, the way I'm going to kind of go off strip here, the way I look at it is this. Again, me being African-American, when Black Panther came out, it was something that was completely just special for our community. We went out and supported it in, in droves, even if we didn't like certain stuff. Uh, when it comes to this, emergency medicine, the one thing that brings us together is the fact of community. Uh, we're the group of people who we are very closely connected, I would say, in our, our style and more importantly, in the way we think. Emergency medicine is, is a way of thinking. And the fact that we now have something of our own, uh, just like, again, I push for us to have our own conference. Do we have our own certification? And it's, been, it's built by emergency medicine pharmacists for emergency medicine pharmacists. And for me, that's one thing I, I want to push. And with this board certification, I believe other things come out of this. Uh, Megan Resch has been really pushing for uh, getting emergency medicine pharmacists on guidelines, uh, us getting the door to be able to have leadership with other specialties. These are the things that I believe will help us kind of put us in the same ballpark, I would say. And I think it, it's easy for other people to recognize Oh, you're a board certified emergency medicine pharmacist. It just sounds easier. And it's like they get confused, like, okay, you're board certified critical care, but you don't work in ICU. Um, and then the test itself is going to really just hammer down on some of those things because I'm, again, me now teaching, it's a completely different feel when I teach in the acute care elective versus I teach in my emergency medicine elective. It's just, it's just so different. And for, for me, um, I think we talked about this before. If there's something I'm eligible to take, I'm going to take it uh, because it's just, realistically, I get smarter every time I prepare for these tests. And the great thing about working in ER, if you're smarter, that's going to lead to people living. And it's like, if I've had so many times where I was studying for something, I went to work the next day, that case came up. And unfortunately, we don't have, you know, I, I'll get back to you. It wasn't one of those moments. I remembered a question that I answered. I remembered it. I was able to do that at the bedside and a patient ended up going from getting ready to pronounce them dead to having Ross. And then a week later, that same patient getting walking out of the hospital. I'm sitting there crying. You know, it's like stuff like that. But you don't think about that when you're studying for a board certification. You don't think about that. But that's the reality of it. And that's what it could be. 
And that's something I really want people to kind of get out of this because I've been thinking about this ever since the first thought about it came. Uh, I remember looking at like the first tweet about it and I was like, if this happens, it's going to be amazing. And now that it's here, I want this to be as amazing as it possibly can be. So uh, I guess that's my take on it. Again, from a community standpoint, um, from a what it can do for us at the bedside. And we're not even talking about what it what it, what it means for us on a leadership standpoint for the multidisciplinary component. So I'm, I'm super excited. Again, I'm super grateful for the work that it takes because I'm going to be honest. You said a 400 page document. <laughs> 475. Oh, yeah. Almost 500 pages. Um, yeah, that was I'm. Yeah, I'm not gifted in that area to, to, to even think about writing that many pages. So the fact that someone dedicated that period of time and it's a group of people, not a hundred person team, it's a group of people that did that. So um, I'm super really? stoked. I can I can go on and on, but I, 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 would, I would digress there. No, this is a great digress. It's a great conversation. Um, yeah, that 475 pages. Again, it was about a six person team altogether. Yeah. So, you know, we all we put in a lot of work in that and. Um, you know, same with the exam. So we, uh, we have a council of uh, nine members and then we put out a call for item writers, right? So we've had, I think we had something like 75 different people writing questions, all emergency medicine pharmacists writing questions for this exam. And then we'd review them as a council, uh, ended up, you know, changing some of the wording, changing some of the the way things are are structured or built to make it, you know, a little bit more consistent with the rest of the exam and things like that. Um, but we were getting these ideas and concepts from, you know, huge group of, you know, practitioners, people who are living this day to day. They're seeing these cases. They're, you know, practicing in emergency medicine. And, and I really do think that, you know, the final product of that is something that will benefit the emergency medicine pharmacy community and will benefit the patients that we serve as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just want to, again, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I really want to hit this because this is a question that comes up. And I remember it was when we finally got the, okay, we're going to do this thing in the community. Um, people want to say, okay, I don't want this to be just another, you know, multiple choice exam. It should be an OSCE. It should be all these other things, you know. And of course, from a, from a realistic standpoint, you work in academia, you know, from a, a broad spectrum of people. And I don't know how many emergency medicine pharmacists that we're projecting this out there. I don't know, three, four, five thousand. I don't, I don't know uh, what that number is. But I want to figure the, the big question was did the writers or the committee take into consideration how diverse and untraditional the ER is uh, when writing these questions? I just want to ask that like, very specific yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's obviously really hard to do, right? So, you know, there are some benefits to doing it as an OSCE or doing it as like a, like a bedside sim kind of experience. But to standardize that for as many people as we anticipate are going to take this exam uh, would be almost impossibly difficult to do, right? Um, and so we tried to capture a lot of those elements that we would want to include in something like that, you know, whether it's, you know, triage, trying to figure out how you approach different patients, uh, you know, how you prioritize your time, some of those things that are, are pretty unique to emergency medicine. Um, you know, again, we tried to incorporate as much of that as we could. Um, again, not just to differentiate the exam from, you know, the critical care exam or, or more general exams like BCPS, um, but also, you know, because that's what we do and, and it is different and it's, it's unique and it's, um, hard to capture with a multiple choice exam, but I think we did a pretty good job. So 
Perfect. That's that's one of the things that to people just want to know that at least we, we have people on the inside making these decisions because sometimes I, I believe that we get there there's a there's different sects of ED pharmacists. We have those kind of rugged, tough, like at community shops, no type of academia associated with it. People in our community, yeah, uh, by themselves again, no residencies for the medical side of things. You have those, and you have those in the much more academic centers. And then we have people who are associated with much more of the uh, associated very closely with pharmacy schools and that type of, that type of academia. And what what I hear is that we want people to. This is representing us to look like the ED community in, in whole. And the fact that, again, you had Nicole, you had yourself, you had Caitlin, you have all these people who have been in these different environments and, and really was in the earlier foundations of emergency medicine as it, it, I call it the modern day emergency medicine pharmacy. Uh, you, you guys kind of helped build that. So I think I feel confident that the test will be represent, representative of what we see because you guys have seen a good bit yourself. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that the early stages, we had a lot of people who were, you know, pretty academically oriented, those people that are super involved at the national level, those people who, you know, again, people like Nicole who have big names in, in the field, um, they were really involved early on. Uh, the council, though, BPS really intentionally tried to get people with at least a diversity of practice site, right? So we have people from around the country uh, representing, you know, fairly small community emergency departments all the way through, you know, big academic centers. And, and lots of things in between. And, and I think that that, you know, again, at least they have some diversity in the practice sites yeah. um, represented on the council because those, those voices became pretty important as we were trying to figure out like, yeah, should we ask? I can't, I can't say too much, but yeah. uh, you know, should we ask a question about this very expensive reversal agent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So again, a lot of this, I, I really want people to, because again, there was very specific questions, and usually when when I talk to people, I try to I try to gauge what I see on Twitter, what I gauge in, in the social media space, and what what has been said about this. And I really want to again provide this opportunity here um, to let people know, like again, why? Like, what do you want people to get out of this? Like, what's the main thing you want people to get out of you know the work that you guys put into BCMP and the work that again the work that they need to do to become you know, board certified in EM. Yeah. So the exam is just the last step in the certification process, right? So in order to even be eligible to become certified, you have to have X number of experiences, right? Whether that's years in practice in emergency medicine or, you know, years of residency training. Um, that's sort of the first filter in order to make sure that somebody who's holding that certification is is really qualified to practice in emergency medicine. And that's one of the things that BPS does is they really evaluate, you know, the test takers candidacy for holding that credential and then you have to pass the exam right um, and so i think that holding that credential is going to show a certain level of expertise in that field that you know only a small subset of, of pharmacists is going to have and there are a lot of things that are really beneficial to that right so you know it's an easy way for somebody to see that you are competent to practice in that area Somebody can take a look at your name. You have the letters after your name. Okay, this person's an emergency medicine pharmacist. We know that they've met this level of expertise and training. Um, in addition, and again, this is more of like a personal thing, like a pride thing, but if you have all these other specialties out there, right? So they have board certified ambulatory care pharmacists, nuclear pharmacists, nutrition pharmacists, critical care pharmacists, all these different people, you know, holding a certification and then emergency medicine is not represented in that, that sort of takes away from what we're doing as a specialty, right? Like 
having that official recognition, that official designation as a specialty, as a recognized specialty with our own council, with our own exam, with our own credentialing process, like that shows that we have this, uh, we've achieved this level of recognition amongst pharmacy community. And I think that's really important as well. And then, you know, and then there's always the, okay, well, what does it do for me? And uh, earlier we were talking about how, you know, after you've been practicing in clinical practice for a while, you start looking for that next route, that next way out. And for a couple of years, I, I worked as a, a senior manager of clinical services at the hospital here. And uh, so I was responsible for hiring people. And, and, you know, one of the things that I always look for as a hiring manager is board certification. Mm-hmm. It just makes it easier to know that person is competent. Like if they don't hold that certification, now you have to really dig in and, and look at their past experiences, try to figure it out. And then, you know, talk to them and try to ask some pointed questions to see if they actually know what they're doing or if mm-hmm. they're bluffing. If they've already passed that, that board certification process, it makes it easy for a hiring manager to say, all right, I know this person at least meets a, a certain level of competency here. And then, you know, you have to make sure they're a good fit for your organization and all these other <laughs> things. But, you know, it, it at least provides that, that baseline competency. And then, you know, getting it is one thing and then holding it's a whole other thing, yeah. right? And, you know, I can't speak too much on this because I don't know what, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what the future holds, but, you know, assuming that BCEMP takes a similar track to some of the other uh, certifications that exist, I suspect there's going to be some pretty high quality uh, continuing education programming that comes out um, in order to help board certified emergency medicine pharmacists continue to grow and continue to learn and keep updated on all these new things that are always going to be popping up. And, uh, and again, I think holding that certification is going to be, uh, Again, just a sign that you're you're keeping up with the literature, you're keeping current with things. You're you're not just you didn't just finish your PGY two and then forget about it and you know yeah. like stop there because things move fast, things change quickly. I've been in practice for almost fifteen years if I include residency, and uh, some of the stuff that I learned during residency is <laughs> way outdated now. You know, and you know, fortunately, I'm in a role where I have to keep up on this stuff. But again, by maintaining that board certification, it kind of forces your hand to to keep up on it. Um, and another thing that I really like about um, the direction BPS is taking, I think I can speak publicly about this. Uh, there, there's discussion taking place, and, and I, I believe this is the direction where things are going to go. Uh, there's a lot of discussion taking place about moving towards uh, continuing professional development more so than continuing education. Okay. So, you know, there will still be a CE requirement, but I, I suspect that in the future, one possibility in the future, I don't want to give too much uh, behind the scenes away again. I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not, but um, the continuing professional development allows you to use things like, you know, committee work within one of those uh, pharmacy organizations or, you know, precepting students, doing research, you know, all these things that a lot of us do already. Um, you'll be able to apply a certain amount of that towards uh, maintaining your certification as well, which I think is really good because it recognizes those things that people do above and beyond, you know, just the day-to-day clinical practice as a part of, you know, maintaining that competency and maintaining that, uh, that level of, of specialization. So uh, it's really cool. And, and they are really taking a pretty, pretty good holistic approach to ensuring that, you know, people who get and hold the certification are, are truly experts. And, and uh, I think that's cool. That's perfect. And I'm just, I'm happy that again, this, we're, we're going to be part of this shift. I would say, you know, may, maybe it's shifting towards some the stuff that we're already doing. Um, yeah, and I'm always a huge fan of being someone who's just really intrigued with education in general. I'm excited about the possibilities of what we can do. 
Um, and especially, again, I've, I've, I remember one of my favorite uh, villain stories, I like to say, how I've kind of got my way. I remember a, a professor told me uh, during like my P3 year, I remember reading a PSAP before. I was like, this is really cool. This is high level stuff. And he was like, why are you reading that already? Are you stupid? Like, you, you, you need to understand the basics now. And I remember looking at him, I was like, one day I'm going to be a really cool pharmacist. And it's going to be because <laughs> like I made sure that like I was always looking for a high quality education. And I've now dedicated my career to, to, to consuming and producing high quality education for those all around. I remember just having in front of me a, a you know PSAP, and I remember I was like, man, I wish there was something for emergency medicine. And I'm pretty sure at some point we get something similar to that. And it's just it's exciting times, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. And you know, I'm one of those people where I'm gonna I'm gonna train to take this test like 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 it's the last thing I can do. You know, I'm I'm gonna make sure I do everything I can to you know learn as much as I can to take this test to, to prove again that like the work that you guys are doing is appreciated. And, you know, hopefully I can get that email saying, you know, I passed that exam and it'd be something that'd be pretty cool. I have no doubt that you're going to knock this one out of the park. <laughs> um, I think one of the hardest things with writing this exam was finding that sweet spot of like entry level specialist, yep. right? That's yep. such a hard like position to, to get into because you don't want to ask, super crazy esoteric questions that like, Oh, did you read this study from 1980? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't want somebody who only practices again, I'm going to pick on critical care. You don't want somebody who only practices in the ICU to be able to come in and rock this exam too. Right. Like you want to make sure that it is specific to emergency medicine. And so, you know, finding that sweet spot is, it was tricky, but I think we got it right. So, you know, if you've done a PGY two in emergency medicine, you should be, you know, pretty well set to sit down and take this exam with a little bit of studying, a little bit of refresher on the things you may be not seeing all the time in practice. If you've been practicing for a few years in emergency medicine with a PGY-1 under your belt, practicing for several years without one, you know, you've probably seen enough stuff that you kind of know what's going to be on there, but definitely take a look at the the blueprint, take a look at the like ASHP standards for PGY-2 accreditation, make sure that you're familiar with some of those more esoteric topics and stuff. And uh, again, I think, I think people are going to do well on this exam. Uh, I think it's I think it's hard enough to differentiate the specialists, but for for those of you who are working in the field, uh, I think it's achievable. So. Oh yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be dope, man. And I don't want I don't want to I, I can do this all day, but I just want to give you an opportunity to put any you know closing words about again the work that you guys have done the 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 test itself, what it means for our ED community. Uh, any any closing words you want to leave for the audience? Yeah, I mean just to kind of reiterate a lot of the themes that we've been talking about today, this has been the effort of a lot of people in the emergency medicine community, a lot of hard work, a lot of hours, blood, sweat, and tears from, you know, obviously not just myself, but, you know, hundreds of people working on this thing over, over the last five, six, seven years. And to see it finally come into fruition, to see emergency medicine, getting that recognition as a specialty, um, you know, getting those, letters that we can put after our name for that instant recognition, that instant credibility. Uh, it's really awesome to see. I'm really excited to see it move forward. Uh, obviously, I'm biased because I've been wanting this for a long time and I've been <laughs> involved with the process. But, you know, even for people, um, you know, who are, are, you know, new to the field or just learning about the board certification process for the first time, uh, it really is an uh, amazing opportunity for us to, you know, show what we have. So, uh, 
let's get out there and uh, pass this test. Absolutely. Again, thanks so much for coming on and talking about this. This is such a timely topic. And, you know, by the time people hear this, I'm going to be sitting there scrambling away, getting my credit card and, and, and signing up for this myself. And it's just something that we've been talking about for a while. And, and now it's time for us to, to put that work in. And I, I'm really hopeful that patient care will improve by us shoring up on some of these topics that we don't see as much. Uh, a lot of things will be be done better simply because of all this. So I'm super excited to to be just be part of all, all of this. And um, I know you, I, mean, just, I just appreciate the grind um, to make this happen. And I know when once this day kind of released, it's going to be pretty cool. And uh, for those by the time you guys hear this, you will also know that Chris will be with us for the Empower Conference uh, at SAM. So he's going to be kicking us off there. He's talk about a lot more things about growing our, our profession. So again, this is going to be a steal for you guys. Again, I'll probably release it a little sooner than that. Uh, but again, for you, just to remind everyone, we will have our conference uh, Empower with SAEM. So the first day will be completely farm, completely us, uh, completely again for us and by us, as I like to say. And it's going to be really, really cool. Um, this is going to be again, it's what I, what I envisioned initially. And this is going to be a pretty cool thing because I'm going to basically get on in, in person with resources and it's going to be insane. So it's going to be great educational sessions. But the, the thing that I'm going to also throw out there, we're going to have a good time afterwards, too. So it's, it's going to be nice. So, again, all you guys, again, by that time, you guys will have all the information for Empower. We'll probably go ahead and start having sales. Again, we will have in-person and virtual for those who, who, who can or cannot make it. We're going to have both options for you guys. So that's going to be really, really cool in-person most of that's going to be handled by SAEM as far as the registration. So don't shoot me, guys. I am I'm literally just making the connection there. And then most of the, all the virtual stuff is going to be through me. So I uh, appreciate, again, here's you for coming on. I'm super excited for, for BCMP. I'm super excited for Empower. Um, it's going to be a really, 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 I think 2023 is going to be the year of the EM pharmacist. So uh, super excited for that. I love it. And thank you for having me on to talk about, you know, BCEMP. And thank you for all the work that you're doing to uh, keep moving emergency medicine forward. I think you're doing a lot of great things here. And uh, I'm happy to be a small part of it. So <laughs> all right. the opportunity, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys, you know how I'm going to do it. I close every episode out the same way. You don't have to be a pharmacist. You're not working at ED. But everything you do, make sure you farm so hard. Closes it. Ozzy scratches his head. Whatever she's looking for, it isn't in there.